Welcome to the Riverside Project podcast. We are mobilizing Houston to empower families and transform generations. We hope these conversations will give you a greater understanding of the issues facing our community and inspire you to find your place along the river. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we have today with us a couple of people from Klein ISD. So it's Klein Independent School District. As many of you know, uh, many kids who are in foster care, uh, they have lots of behavioral needs. We've talked about trauma on this podcast. We've talked about um, lots of different needs that, that families and kids have. They also have a lot of needs educationally. And so with the Riverside Project, uh, we have been working with different school districts to understand what the educational needs of are for kids in foster care. Um, and through that conversation, we've been introduced to lots of educators and people who are coming alongside kids and families uh, to support them. So we have two of them with us today that I'm really excited to share with you. We have Crystal Coleman. She is the foster care coordinator for Klein ISD. We also have Jackie McCoy, who is a Klein ISD surrogate parent, and we'll explain what that means in just a moment. So thank you so much for being with us today. It really is an honor to have a conversation with you just about the way that you care for kids in the Klein area. So Crystal, if you want to sh just start off by telling us what is your role as a foster care coordinator um, within Klein? Well, thank you for having me um, today, Amber. And part of my role is really um, creating um, an opportunity for our students in foster care to come to Klein ISD schools and feel a sense of normalcy, acceptance, and inclusion, as well as, you know, training our staff um, to try to meet those needs um, and welcoming our students to campuses um, and then providing some additional trainings to try to kind of try to address, you know, trauma, what it is, and how it may affect our students, and really kind of turn that lens to, you know, what has happened to the student versus, you know, why are they doing some of the things they're doing, um, so we can try to identify, you know, ways that we can help and support them. We work through the process of, you know, getting the paperwork and um, building relationships with, you know, the foster families and homes, and the surrogates um, also tie into that process very, very heavily because many of our students, um, you know, need a surrogate for various reasons. There's a lot going on, and we're looking at some new things, you know, that hopefully will help our kids. So explain to me what is, why would a kid need a surrogate parent? What is that program exactly? Okay, so surrogate parents come into play when our students um, don't have a biological parent um, who has educational rights um, any longer. Then they need a surrogate parent who is non-biased, but who is there to support the needs of that student. They are really looking at it from the lens of how can I help this student? And if they were the biological parent, what would they do for this student? The one thing that our surrogate parents, they don't have any financial responsibility for the student, um, but they do work with the school. They do go to conferences. They interact with, you know, the foster family or the home um, just to make sure that that student is getting everything that they need um, and that we are doing our best to meet the needs of the student. I think that's a gap that 
I never knew that existed exactly. You, if you think about it, a kid come, goes into foster care and they may be with a foster family who can step in in that role. Uh, we know just by data and the context in our city that there are more kids in foster care in Spring Klein um, neighborhoods than any other part of our city. And even I was very surprised by that. There's a lot of foster families in Spring and in Klein, just that general area. There's also a lot of group homes um, or residential treatment centers. We've had some of them on our podcast before, and they've shared with us their needs are different, right? It's a staff that's trying to care for multiple children, most of whom are teens, um, who are going to school. And so I, I never really realized that who who is coming alongside with, you know, IEP meetings and meeting with teachers and making sure that homework is done and seeing if there's a need for tutoring. And so that kind of is what you're saying is a surrogate parent kind of steps into that role to, to help on the educational side, correct? Right, absolutely. Okay. And you hit it on the head when you talked about IEP and like special education things, because the surrogate's role really is to make those special education decisions for the student okay. and make them in the best interest of the student. So they are going to all of the ARD meetings. You know, they're looking at all of the academic records, mm -hmm. you know, behavior things as well. But they are the go-to person as far as making educational decisions uh, for the student once they have taken on that role. That's a pretty big volunteer role. I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, I want to volunteer with a nonprofit or I want to volunteer to help you know, kids in foster care, that's a pretty big step as a, and a big responsibility for somebody. So it probably, I would assume, takes a special person. It really, really does. And I'm so happy that today you have us here. And Miss Jackie McCoy is one of my very special surrogates. We have just a relationship connection um, on the level of we want to help kids. Mm -hmm. And so she has stuck with me since I've been in this journey. Um, I pray that she will continue to, to, to do the work with me. But it has also inspired me, you know, to keep doing the work. And, you know, when I was just starting in my role, it was very lonely and like, I don't know what to do and how to do it. And so when I came in contact with Miss Jackie, she was like, we're going to do this. It's going to be fine. You're, you just keep doing what you're doing. And so we, our relationship has grown. Um, I've learned so much from her just the way that she takes on her role, yeah. you know, as a surrogate and just being so involved and just the heart that she has and the love for the kids. Yeah. And she wants to see them do great things. Well, Miss Jackie, that's a, that's a lot to um, respond to. Um, Tell us a little bit about what it's been like. Why did you become a surrogate parent in the first place? Because somebody asked me. Um, because I didn't realize that the role existed. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my church members that you know um, just thought that perhaps I would be a good surrogate. And she introduced me to the program. And um, I said yes, because it sounded like something that would plug into my kingdom mandate. So I went to training. And it was before Crystal came, but I went through training. And it just resonated because I love young people um, as I grow older. I like to stay around young people for the purpose of keeping me young. I just immediately saw the need. And so when I got started and I was uh, trained, I said, let me take two and see how that works for me. I really saw the need for uh, the representation that young people need. 
And these children have been traumatized. They have hopes and desires for success, but not all the tools that Mm -hmm. a child that, you know, grows up in a two-parent home or one-parent home where the parent is working and, 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 and they haven't been traumatized. I just then fell in love with it and made it my mission to be effective I mean, mm. you, we can do anything, but we, I really wanted, I want to be able to look at it and say I made a difference in that child's life. I give them advice if they, if they need it. I usually try to stay with the high school group and stay with the one school so I can um, know all the players and um, work with the teacher when the teacher calls. I know her and, and, you know, and I can rely that what she's conveying to me. And then when you go through that art, you're not just checking boxes, you're really making sure mm-hmm. that that child is getting what they need to. What is an uh, art meaning there. exactly? Can you explain that? Oftentimes when you have children who um, have special learning um, or behavioral concerns, they have to go through, um, and you might want to help me with the technical terms of, of it, they need someone to go in and represent their interests and be able to sign off on whatever the school and the surrogate parent feel like it's the right steps to try to address their learning needs or their disabilities right. or whatever the issue is with them. That can't be entered into lightly. Mm-mm. So when I go in, I, sometimes they say that, you know, she'll get, she gives such a hard time. Well, I just want to know. You're showing up. You, I'm, right? I'm showing up. And, and I do for, for those students what I would have done for my, ch- my children. We talk a lot about the power of people showing up. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of what is what we talk about with the river is somebody along the side of the river showing up for a family or a kid who's vulnerable and saying, I'm willing to stand in the gap for you. And that's really what you're doing mm-hmm. in the educational space is you're showing up where there is a gap in getting a child or a family to the help. In this case, a child to the help that they need. And, and that can look like you mentioned a lot of different ways. What are the challenges that you see most often? There can be a lot of barriers, Amber, to the situation with our kids in foster care, you know, and trying to meet their needs. And part of that is trying to get, you know, paperwork sometimes on the students, um, you know, the background information. Um, It could even be, you know, documentation from the previous schools, grades, different things that will help Mm -hmm. us then set this student on a path for success. Mm -hmm. And so when we are kind of lacking in those areas, we are doing our best to place the student where they need to be, you know, to ensure that they are in the right classes, that they're getting their credits, that they're going to be um, on their way to success. But it can be very difficult in then trying to Um, see the underlying trauma that they have experienced as well, when sometimes we don't really know what it was, you Mm -hmm. know, or we're looking at what's this behavior, and that's all we can focus on at that moment. It's like, how can we get this behavior to stop and get you in a place where you need to be in class, and we're not able to have that time or documentation maybe to show us, okay, these are some things that this student has experienced, which is maybe why you're going to see this behavior and to have a little more grace. When kids transition a lot, and in foster care, especially teenagers, tend to transition a whole lot. So there's so many opportunities to add to their losses and add to their grief. And of course, we know behaviors continue to escalate when they don't feel safe. We have shared often 
how behavioral struggles and unresolved trauma affects kids from the educational side. You see that every single day. We know that when unresolved trauma is happening, they go to school and they look like a child with bad behavior Mm -hmm. because they have bad behaviors. Um, But underneath the bad behavior is usually an unmet need. And that unmet need is trauma. Again, we talk about this all the time on this podcast. Uh, Trauma has to be healed in relationship. So a lot of the work that we're doing with the Riverside Project has been coming alongside people like you um, who are in the classrooms, who are trying to interact with these students and get them the resources that they need and say, how can we support you? How can we get you training? How can we get you resources? How can we get you more people to do things Mm -hmm. like this so that we can get where we want to go and make sure that these kids can be successful? This doesn't happen just with Klein ISD on their own or just with the surrogate parent program. It's all of us seeing the needs and meeting the needs together, right? There are several ways you can uh, come at being a surrogate. Mm -hmm. For me, it has just opened up a whole new world. And now that I I interact with the RTC, I interact with the school, um, I have found the Riverside Project, which has opened me up to understand trauma and what I'm actually dealing with when I'm mm-hmm. when I meet a, a new student or whatever the case may be, it has just uh, been quite an eye-opening experience. And then when you start talking about you know the other agencies that come into play that have some type of responsibility for that child also. So you have the layer of, you know, the FPS, you have the school, you have, you know, you have the RTC, you have the surrogate, uh, and then you have the Riverside Project trying to bring about a greater understanding for everybody and to try to facilitate all those different departments to, to uh, be able to provide that child with the best services that will make them successful. It, it can be daunting, but as a surrogate, you, if you're thinking that you might want to be a surrogate, there are just some basic needs mm-hmm. that every child needs representation. And I would venture to say that every child needs caring, focused representation uh, in, in, in those ARD meetings. I can't say it enough. Just take the interest. If you don't ever you know, buy a snack or a book or anything else, be present in that moment when, when, when the child, because I took advantage of a lot of the um, uh, trauma-based learning that is out there. And I, and, and it's just, it's just, oh my goodness. But one thing they said that really, really, really stuck with me was the fact that um, at the point of the trauma, a lot of children shut down and they stopped the ability to learn. And, and I'm really seeing that because most of the children that I get, they are two or three grades behind in their learning. And I wish I could grab up all the children and, and represent them all, but I, but I can't do that. But the, those that I do have, you know, I'll go to the mat forum and I do whatever, you know, almost whatever it takes to try to gain a relationship with them so I, at least I can lever, leverage and mentor from mm-hmm. my position. Um, and somewhat mother, 
if, 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 if given the opportunity, because if you ask me, well, what do you think about this? I'm going to tell you the righteous thing to, you know, to do in that situation as if it were my child. You have a gift to bring, just yeah. like Miss Jackie has the heart, but she also has a gift that mm -hmm. she brings and she shares with us all. That's important for people to know, too, is that you have something great to offer. Yep. to, you know, another student in need. It could be another surrogate that you meet. Mm -hmm. We have a need and people are out there that have some good things to bring and some good things to offer. And sometimes we don't really see um, how just stepping in and showing up in that space can make a difference. We did a recently used some of our zip code level data and had um, an organization come in and, and pull from that data some of the things that um, areas of need in our city. And one of the things that they uncovered was we wanted to know where are the areas of town where highest removals are, where kids, more biological families, where kids are being removed from their homes. How can we highlight where in our community those things are happening? And can you give us, is there anything that you can, that it's correlating with where we can find some ways to create some solutions? One of the things that they said was in the areas of high removal, so kids removing from their homes and going into foster care, were highly correlated with the percentage of adults in that population who had less than a high school diploma. High, high percentages, like almost a quarter in some neighborhoods in our city, there is like a quarter of adults, 20 to 25%, who do not have a high school diploma. So you kind of start to put the pieces together here where if these kids who are in foster care end up, you know, leaving school, they don't finish high school. They, as you mentioned, they get so far behind in school that it's almost impossible to catch up. And without that education piece, we talk about going downstream, what's going to happen? What happens when they have children? What happens to those children? And then we cycle back upstream and we start the entire cycle we see this cyclical thing happening in our community. This is what we talk about with the river. What you are doing, it seems like, hey, there's a need and I'm going to meet it. I'm going to show up for this kid. I'm going to buy them a book when they need a book. I'm going to, you know, tutor them. They're going to ask me for advice. And I'm going to give righteous advice is what you just mentioned. I love that. That piece, as seemingly small as it is, is helping the cycle to stop. It's helping to disrupt the cycle that we see. And we need, again, more and more people who can say, I'll show up. I'll show up. I probably don't have enough. I may not have all that it takes, but I'm not going to do it alone. So I'm going to I'm going to step in. Yeah, that's what we want to see. I have become such a fan of the uh, Riverside Project to the point where I think that two minute video that you all created is one of the most succinct explanation of what's going on and where the needs are. It, to me, it's just like second nature to say, yeah, I, I, I'll volunteer. I'll, I'll, I'll do something. I'll do what I can do. Some people have to be encouraged, um, introduced to the idea, and kind of have a better understanding before they can commit to mm -hmm. wanting to be a surrogate. If you understood that there were children in the stream, yep. they are not coming out of the stream. Nobody is pulling them out of the Children are drowning in the stream. If you could understand that, you probably could volunteer to do something as easy as represent one, do one child. You don't have to do three and four. There's some people that surrogate for like three and four, five, six kids. Well, maybe your life can't, can't, can't withstand that. But if you could just see that visual, it is life transforming. 
and we could get more people to stand up and say, you know, well, maybe I can. Yeah. Maybe I can help you because it's 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 a desperate situation which is going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just knowing what you can give, right? That's what we wanted. We're not saying everybody should be a Klein ISD surrogate. Mm -hmm. Just like we say not everyone should foster a child. Just like we say not everyone should mentor. Not everyone should bring a meal, but some people should. Maybe there's some people who should do that. Do you have an education background? Have you been a teacher? Are you a retired teacher? Are you a teacher who, um, you know, became a stay-at-home mom and understands the world of education and is excited to use some time to volunteer? You don't even have to have an education background, really. I think there's training to be able to help. If you're a good Sunday school teacher. Yes. If you're somebody who wants to come alongside and say, I want to stand in the gap, here's a way to do it. What would they they do to take that next step if that was something if if they just reach out to me um i can explain start just kind of outlining the program and then we can get them set up to train Um, i'll be offering a training every month this coming school year but i also um try to you know make myself available to Mm -hmm. you know surrogates based on their availability as well are there any other requirements um i assume they'd have to go through a background check maybe uh what else is there anything else that if somebody was interested they would know this means i could do this easily so one of the big things is you know you just cannot be working under any agency that's governed by tea okay so you can't be a current educator Okay. Because you're governed, you know, the the schools are governed by TEA. So, you know, of course, if you're a retired teacher or you work in a different capacity, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, something that's not governed by the school district. Um, And and you can't work for like an RTC, things like that, any type of child agency. Those are really the main barriers to Mm -hmm. if you work under those circumstances. Outside of that, it was, it's a background check. And then we do have to do fingerprinting. Um, and some of our retired teachers, if they're from our school district, sometimes they have fingerprints that are current. Um, but if they're not, there is a fingerprinting requirement. We do our best to cover the fee if we can. After they do the background, the fingerprinting, human resources will then have to do their magic on their end. And then they send me uh, official uh, notice that the person is cleared and good to go. And I know that you provide so much support to them. We've talked a lot about that, that they're not alone in this journey, that if there's a resource that they need, if they need, sometimes people don't want to step into mentoring because they think, oh, that could be really hard. And what if this situation comes up or that situation? I don't know what to do. Having a support system around you, of course, through your department is really helpful to help people navigate when they get into those sticky situations that they're just not sure how to handle. Um, So I love that you provide a lot of that support. I really would ask people to just take a moment. If you're retired, maybe you're not retired, but your work schedule has you available during the day, during school hours, Mm -hmm. and you just want to share and sow into the life of somebody that you don't know that needs you, um, I would invite you to consider, you know, being a surrogate. Most people get really intimidated because they think that, you know, do I have to spend my money? No. Does it take a lot of time? That's up to you. I love what you're doing. I'm so grateful that it exists. I don't know that it exists. I think some other school districts may do something like that, but we want to see more of this. And I I think people can can listen to what you're saying and and see the need and feel the need. Um, And so we're in it together. We're grateful to come alongside you. 
We are. And I want to say this, Amber. Ms. Jackie mentioned it already. We are total fans of the Riverside Project, Absolutely. formerly Fostering Families, because you too have inspired me mm -hmm. to, you know, keep going, to look at things through different lenses. You know, like Ms. Jackie was saying, facilitating them symposiums, like that's been so important and I feel so powerful. And I think the momentum is just building, you yeah. know, as we see like, this is important. This is, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. You know, the more that we're able to talk and collaborate with everybody, the surrogates, the RTCs, and then I'm yeah. getting, being able to go back to staff and communicate things. And so, and having DFPS and just many players involved um, has been so meaningful. And I know it takes a lot of effort on your part and a lot of time um, for you to come and do those things. And so we are so grateful. And I just pray that we'll be able to continue, you know, the collaboration that we have. It's, it's what we are about, which is pulling people to one another. It's, we can't have individual partnerships with all these different people if we're not pulling them towards one another and giving opportunities to connect. That's where this stuff has to happen. Um, and so any opportunity to just provide connections for you to get people in the room, because we all want the same thing. I choose to believe that we all want the same thing. We want kids who are in the river to exit the river. We want families stabilized in the community, rooted so that they can continue on with their life and to be successful educationally and successful in life. So because we all want that, it makes sense for us to come together towards that goal um, and learn from one another and share. So it's, it is a joy for us to be a part of it and a joy to work alongside you. So thanks for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. To those listening, we hope these conversations have inspired you to find your place along the river. And we welcome you to join us in bringing hope and renewal to the city of Houston. If you'd like more information on how to get involved, please visit riversideproject.org and submit a contact form. We'll see you next time.